Welcome back to another episode of All Things Red. On today's episode, I have Nicole Levy. Nicole is the new women's lacrosse coach at the University of Florida for the Gators in the Swamp. She played her collegiate lacrosse at Syracuse University, and now she's playing in the Women's Professional League, Athletes Unlimited in Maryland. Um, Nicole, how are we doing? I'm doing well. I'm stuck in a hotel for four weeks, but I get to do what I love, and that's play lacrosse, so it's not too bad. No. do they got? How are they treating you guys down there? They got you in the Holiday Inn, or are we at a Marriott? Like, what's the deal? Oh, yeah. So we're, we're at a Marriott um, Residence Inn. We are in suites, though, so we got our nice little kitchenettes and everything. Um, so it's not too bad. You know, we go food shopping, and we're not, like, eating out all the time, so. No, that's awesome. Is it just you? Like, do you have your own suite, or are you with another girl? Like, how's the, how's the setup work? Yeah, so you could um you can opt to have your own room, or a couple of us had to double up just because there wasn't enough single suites. Um, so I'm pretty sure me and my friend Ella were the first to volunteer to have roommates. So we have a double suite. We each got our own bathroom and bedroom, which is nice, but we share the common area. We have, you know, we have our Xbox set up. We have um a Nintendo Switch, so we're ready to go when there's downtime. You uh you a big gamer? Uh yeah, actually I, I'm. I'm getting into a little bit more. I'm trying to get into, like, the whole warfare type of games, but I'm a huge, you know, EA sports girl. Um, we, we sit in our room, and we get really competitive over 2K, so. Oh, that's that's sweet. There's a couple of girls that um, in college that w- would rip 2K with us, and we just thought, like, as guys, like, we just thought it was the funniest thing because, like, <laughs> they knew like they had their own like 2k franchise player like it was it was really weird but like obviously we loved it because um in college we used to have big like nhl tournaments we used to have 2k tournaments we used to have madden tournaments and like probably same with you how it is with you girls like it was super oh, totally. intense non-stop shit talking a couple oh, of shoulders yeah. got slammed mm-hmm. like things get and- heated quick yeah and like not obviously like when you're broke in college it was more so like we were we were playing for like shots at the bar pre-game <laughs> drinks like stupid like or oh, dining, yeah. dining hall swipes stupid stuff like that oh um, no, we, no we just play for pride see yeah no that's that's awesome see like guys get a little too carried away <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so we, you and I got connected um, from Grace. Uh, Grace is one of my best friends. Grew up with her. Um, you two met playing in the the pro league that you're playing in now, correct? Or did you guys know each other like before that? No, we we met in the pro league. So I mean, lacrosse is a small world, so we've definitely heard of each other before. Um, but I just remember. So the the way athletes unlimited works is you get drafted to a new team each week, right? So your your teams are constantly changing. You're constantly playing with different people. So about the third week. Um, my roommate from Colorado, a different roommate, texted me and was like, hey, uh, we need to have, you know, we need to find a roommate quick. Uh, we're running out of time. You should ask Grace Gabriel. I think she lives in Denver. And I was like, oh, all right. Well, I think she's on my team this week, so I might as well go introduce myself at practice. So that day at practice, I went up to her and I was just like, hey, what's up? Like, heard you live in Denver. You looking for a roommate? And she was kind of like, I, I mean, I live alone right now, but I could try to break my lease. So the second we got back to Denver, she broke her lease and moved in. And we've been really close ever since. I mean, me and Grace shoot the shit all the time and, and, you know, watch stupid movies and just hang out on the couch, drink beers by the fire in our back uh, backyard, you know, so it's, it's been a really good time. And, and I'm glad, I'm glad that lacrosse brought us together. Yeah, no, the backyard setup you guys got going looks sweet. I always see it in like her snap stories and stuff um, from when you guys were watching the Stanley Cup and and all that. Yeah, oh yeah, no. I'll bring my flat screen out there, and we'll we watch you know football out there. We'll watch 
hockey, basketball, whatever's on. We'll just watch TV out, out there because the weather is so beautiful. Yeah, I have to. I just have to ask, just because, like I said, she's one of my best friends. What was your first impression of Grace? <laughs> my first impression was honestly, I told her like when we sat down, I didn't realize who she was at first, and I was like, we're sitting at a table, like kind of eating dinner, doing like this like um, brave training thing that they put us through, and I was like, oh, she's kind of quiet, you know, whatever, like keeps to herself. And then I got to know her and then I got to drink with her. And I was like, oh, okay, th- this is more my speed. She's not as quiet <laughs> as she thinks she is or she tries to come off as. I was like, all right, this is the real grace. And uh, and that's the grace that I freaking love hanging out with, you know? Yeah, no. Well, I went to one of the games last year. Um, I believe at the time she was on the Orange Squad because I know you guys switch teams every year. And afterwards we went and got dinner before I drove back and um, I, I I was just like, you like, do you not, did you not have like a big group of friends? And she's like, no, it's just not that. It's just, I don't know many of the girls. Cause like I went to Marquette and like, they all played against each other or like we're on teams together prior to she. And then that's when she mentioned you, she's just like, yeah, I met a girl, Nicole, like um, we're probably going to eventually live together. She's awesome. Stuff like that. So that would be all I know, but it's just funny because um her you know both her and her siblings um have come to visit me in college and same type of thing like first day very quiet and then like that saturday just like opened up to like who she really is and all my and and all my friends are like yo she's out of her mind oh in the in the best way possible absolutely i always tell her all the time we joke with each other and i can say this because i went to school in upstate but i always say like I look at her and she'll do something. I'll look at her. I'll be like, you are so upstate, dude. But I mean that in the best way possible. <laughs> what is, uh, what does that mean? Cause like when I put, when I was playing lacrosse at Hobart, all the kids said that to me all the time. They're like, you're so upstate or they'd be like, you're so <laughs> Buffalo, which I think yeah. Buffalo and upstate are two polar opposite. Cause if you've ever come to Buffalo or you ever spend time in Buffalo, Buffalo is like its own world. It's like, right, I mean, I right. can say this cause I've lived here and everyone knows what I mean if you visited, but Buffalo is like low key a black hole. Like, oh, yeah. like <laughs> um, <laughs> but what is like, what does that mean? Like you're so upstate. Cause I went to school with kids when I was at Hobart. Um, we were playing lacrosse there that would say that. And I just, I didn't understand what it meant and no one could ever explain it to me. Well, I mean, let me ask you this first. Was that kid a Long Island kid? No, but okay. uh, it, no, he was from, um, it was Maryland. He was from uh, Potom- Potomac, gotcha. Maryland, but, but he played at, he played at Landon and played at Bolas. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, cause I was going to say, so I'm, I'm originally from Long Island, right? And like, mm-hmm. and you know, anything North of us is upstate. I don't care where you are. You're Westchester, you're upstate. Um, okay. And a lot of people would argue with that and I'm well aware it might get some hate on it, but um but yeah so like I guess I don't know I, I guess what I mean is just like super blue collar like just doesn't really care what people think like booze bag like it's just fun but doesn't care what people think you know like I love that yeah that's actually spot on now that you say that <laughs> yeah 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 no that's spot on well the other thing is too is it's like our intentions are well like we're very loving people and we're very open people but at the same time it's like if you don't like us or you don't vibe with us it's like that it's fine go it's not find gonna- other people yeah, right. go find other it people. It won't kill your party. Totally. No, not at all. Not you're, at all. You're not gonna. You're not gonna let anyone make waves in your kiddie pool. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> See, you get it. You get it. I get um, it. Do you ever get called a flid? All the time. Oh my god! My first year of college, I was everywhere I went. That that was like my name. I was like, "What is this? I'm not even. I'm not even mean." <laughs> you know. But yeah, I guess I. Us Long Island people, we're kind of, you know, we're stuck up about certain things, whether it comes to pizza, bagels, whatever, driving. 
Um, but yeah, I think people initially are like, oh, you're a fled, you're a fled. And then they get to know me and they're like, oh, wait, you're, I'm actually pretty laid back. I'm probably a nice medium between Long Island and, and upstate more because I went to school in upstate. So I kind of got that more relaxed vibe, but yeah, I mean, we probably won't agree on pizza, which is fine, but the bagels, <laughs> I will give it to you. The bagels in Long Island are pure gas. All right. All right. I'll take it. Yeah. So, um, in the lacrosse, obviously, it's your love. It's what you're doing now, and it's what your job is currently. Um, when you were growing up in Long Island, Long Island's obviously a huge hotbed for lacrosse, Northeast as well. Um, was lacrosse something that you, once you started playing sports as a little girl, like that was what you played, and you played it all the way through, and you're like, I want to go to, like, eventually you were like, I want to go to college to play this, or were you kind of like a late bloomer, which you see a lot of people that are – playing lacrosse at a high level like didn't really start until almost they got to high school or some some people in middle school was that the case with you or did you always have a stick in your hand oh no I I I'm pretty sure I was born with a stick in my hand I just started playing my dad coached and I was super young when I got my first stick went to a bunch of peewee camps that was like co-ed and then I started playing girls and I joined my cousin's men like boys team um and then my dream growing up up until I was probably in sixth grade my dream was to play boys lacrosse men's lacrosse. couldn't really quite get there but I, I always knew I wanted to play in college and then you know once I got into middle school and, and high school and stuff and I started really watching the girls game I fell in, fell in love with Syracuse's style and I think it, it relates to the fact that it was just very creative a lot of sidearm outside shooting like stuff like that like kind of transferring over from the boys game and I, and I think that that's kind of how I saw myself as a player um so I would say, yeah, I mean, I've always knew I wanted to play in college. And then I always knew I wanted to coach as well. Um, when I was in high school, I, I knew right away that that's what I would do. It really is like my biggest passion. You know, I struggle in some areas of life with confidence, but never when I have a stick in my hand, whether it's coaching or it's playing. We'll definitely get to the confidence thing in a little bit. Um, but what made you want to play? Did you just want to play with the guys because it was, and I'm not trying to sound sexist here when I say that. No, um, I just have to clarify that because it was more physical. There was contact. Um, or was it just that the guys game at the time was bigger or maybe you hung out, you had a lot of guy friends growing up or like, what was it that you wanted to play guys lacrosse over girls lacrosse when you were younger? I would say definitely. I mean, I, I definitely like the physicality of it and just like the idea of like that, you know, you couldn't just walk through the middle of the field and just score whenever you want. Like, you know, you had to actually, like, fight to get to cage, which mm -hmm. I think says a lot because, I mean, you you watch you watch girls' high schools at a lot of par different parts of this country, and it's like that's – they get fouls, defenses, fouls for every little thing. And I think, like, you know, it's so – it makes it so easy on the offense. And then they these kids come to college and, like, they can't handle contact. Meanwhile, in college, mm -hmm. like, we're able to do a lot of – you know, you're, you're a little, it's a little bit more, a lot more physical, actually. So I think, you know, from a young age, I kind of understood that. So I definitely appreciated the physical part of it. Um, but also, I guess, I don't know, I, I also don't want to sound sexist, but it was more competitive. I think the boys were mm -hmm. better. And, you know, and I, I, I can also say that, yeah, they were better because they had bigger pockets and it was easier to pass and catch, you know, but, um, but I think it was just, it was more competitive. Yeah, no, I always, Grace and I always joke because she and I, she, her, she, her and I always joke about like playing one on one. And um, she was like, I would, I was like, no, you wouldn't because I would lower my shoulder and body you. Like, there's no <laughs> chance that you're stopping me. Like, I'm 6'3, 220 pounds. You're not stopping me if you're standing in front of me. But if we're playing the girls' game, yeah, you would probably destroy me. 
So like we always <laughs> joke about that, just like within like our relationship. Um, which why why is it though that like you think like I because I don't know even though I played lacrosse I I don't I haven't really like thought about it or looked into it much now that you say it, but mm-hmm. I remember watching um Grace and then like other girls because our high school um in the Buffalo area like wins section championships all the time um and I remember watching Grace I remember watching like the Coda sisters and like other people that were really good at our high school. And it was kind of like what you were saying, like you'd watch guys and, you know, guys are getting slashed, they're getting checked, you're not going across the middle without getting touched. And then you see like the girls game in high school, you have kids that are like, obviously elite that are going to be going to the next level. And then you have kids playing just because it's like, I signed up for a spring sport. And um, I know, and you, you see that argument a lot with like, we'll just say like the WNBA, for example, like you see a lot of people saying like, they'd rather watch the NBA or the WNBA. Like in your opinion, um, what, what do you think could like enhance the women's game to make it more competitive or to get more eyeballs on the sport to make it almost as equal as like the guys is, or do you not think that that's ever going to happen? No, I, I, I think that that's a great point. I think it's actually happening as we speak. I think when I was younger, you know, not many girls played lacrosse or sports in general. So it was kind of like hard. For, not that I'm not, uh, that makes me sound old. I'm only 25 years old. Like, let's be real. But, um, <laughs> you know, like I, I, I don't think it was as common. So I think it, it, it comes back to the whole thing about growing the game, right? Like you want to grow the game, make it more available to people, make it more popular. So people are aware of, of the sport and have the opportunity to play it. But that's another thing that, I, you know, like everyone keeps saying to me, like, they want to grow the game. You want to grow the game, but you never hear anyone talk about growing the love for the game. So by mm-hmm. that, like, I mean, like the passion and everything, like it's, it's easy to get young, you know, when young kids, like it's easy to get these young boys, they, they automatically want to run around and just go play sports no matter what it might be. Right. But girls, maybe they not, they don't really have that passion at that young age. Maybe they want to do other stuff with, I don't even know what that might be. Cause that was never my realm, but I think just like, growing the love for the game and showing everyone how much fun it can be and how creative you can be when you play just based off of your style of play, whether you're going to throw behind the backs, you know, through the legs, you know, just advancing in so many ways of growing that love for the game and that passion for the game, opposed to just like being like, Oh, this is lacrosse. Here you go play. But like teaching Mm -hmm. them and showing them and, and explaining to them like how good they could be and like different, different ways that they can grow in the sport and, and kind of get to where they want in their future whether they want to play lacrosse the rest of their life or if they want to just, you know, get a really good education. It's a great opportunity for a scholarship. Yeah, without a doubt. Like, I think that get, getting recruited to play Division One lacrosse and actually playing Division One lacrosse is light years easier. I mean, it's not easy at all in the grand scheme of it, but comparing it to, say, like a D1 scholarship for basketball or football or possibly even hockey, I think it's the easiest, like, when you're comparing the two. But obviously to get recruited at all – um to that level now do you think that because i don't know because like how it was in buffalo or at least what i would you hear it all the time from people like maybe you heard it too maybe not just because long island was such a hotbed and it's like it's i would compare it not directly playing football down in texas per se like um if you were like i want to go to duke or i want to go to syracuse and i want to play division one lacrosse there you're probably not so much long island as it is up here in buffalo like i always heard like when i told buddies i'm like i want to go play division one lacrosse like i and it's funny because it was it was a bandits game and then after a bandits game i went to 
uh, Syracuse versus Denver up in the dome. And it was um, Tierney's first year at Denver. And I want to say I was in seventh grade and I started playing. I didn't start playing until I was in middle school. And right away I was like, I was a big Syracuse basketball fan because um, I'd go with my uncle all the time, even though. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I could say that being like a big time fan of them. Um, totally. And I would tell all my buddies, I'm like, yo, I want to go to, I'm like, I want to go to Syracuse. Like I want to, even if I don't go to Syracuse, I either want to like play against Syracuse. Like I want to go to, a, I want to play division one lacrosse. Like I want to be up there. And everyone was just like, even like some of my best friends were like, you're delusional. That ain't happening. That like, so I think that like, not me, because I was lucky to have like, in my opinion, the best mother on earth that would always gas me, but at the same time, make sure I was staying humble. Um, but not in a, like, you're the best you could do anything way, but like, you could be the best if you work for it. Do you think that, um, ki- like people got to be careful with how they talk to kids like about that? Or like, how do you think is, um, the right way to approach that with kids? Cause just from like an observation, like if someone's like, I want to play for team USA, or I want to be you know, the next, um, I don't know, the next big, like, girl icon in the sport, a lot of people are immediately like, no, nah, that's not you. And they, and like, a kid doesn't know better. So a kid doesn't know, like, because as kids, you're looking at adults as like, oh, that's the end all be all, you have all the answers to life. So if you say no, it's obviously wrong, without internalizing, like you were saying, the confidence part, like, how do you think, like, kids can, if there is a way, and I don't even know if I'm asking, like, a I, good I'm, question I'm or following not. you. No, you're I'm following, following what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know if that's just the coffee talking, <laughs> but no, uh, if, if like, uh, what is like your opinion on how to more so like teach the mental side of things to kids at a young right. age to be like, yo, right. you, it's a lot of work and it's a grind and only 1% of people that pick up a stick play at that level. But if you work, you do X, Y, Z, you will get there and instill that confidence in a lot of kids um, at a young age. Like, how do you think you could do that? Definitely. So, I mean, one of my biggest things with when it comes to, you know, getting recruited and and I like to think of myself um, in this way a little bit, too, is like so when when you're coming at it from a young age and and as you when you first pick up a stick, obviously you want to tell these kids that, yeah, there's you want to have these dreams, you want to have these high goals right, to keep pushing them to get better and better. Um, but as they get a little bit older into the recruiting process, um, it's a little bit harder, right, because not everyone, there's only, you know, certain amount of spots on a roster, only certain amount of teams in Division One. So not everyone's going to be able to play Division One lacrosse. Um, and that doesn't matter. I don't think that that matters at all. It's just about, you know, having that passion and, and being happy where you are. But to answer your question a little bit more with that, when it comes to the recruiting age, one of my biggest talks is definitely that, confidence piece so two things one you need to be confident right you need to be confident in yourself you need to be confident when you're on the field you need to be confident in your teammates um and I think when it comes to having confidence in yourself some people you know like it's it's hard to it's hard to get and I think like repping it is the most important piece right because if you're doing it a hundred times by yourself you do it a hundred times in practice when you get to the game, you're going to recognize the exact situation. You're just going to do it without even thinking. And you're going to feel comfortable and confident in doing it because you've practiced it so much. So I think reps on your own is definitely a huge thing. But my other – the confidence piece and also just talking to some kids is like our sport is a great sport because it's not – it's, you know, it's not a basketball. It's not a volleyball. It's not – it doesn't – your size doesn't matter, right? So I'll look at a kid and and I know – you know, this is a podcast, obviously, but if you were to look at me right now, I'm 5'2". Um, you know, I 
am not the strongest, definitely not the fastest, was never the tallest on any field growing up, any field. Um, and I, you know, I played up a lot too when I was younger, but I, I was always the smallest, you know? So I think you don't, you don't have to be the biggest and, and whatever. So when it comes to me, I, I like to think of separating myself, right? So you get to that next level and everyone's going to be fast and strong and whatever, like what can separate you from the person next to you? And I think that's going to kind of come down to two things in lacrosse. It's one, it's going to be your stick skills, right? It's going to be your stick. Your stick should be an extension of your body. Um, you should be so comfortable with your stick, be able to change levels, you know, underhand, overhand, whatever that might be. Having a great stick is crucial. The second biggest thing for me being my size and the reason I'm able to continue to play at this level in the professional league today is my IQ. Um, so I think having that, my field awareness, you know, everything like that, that is what makes me the player that I am. Um, and I think that that's huge for kids. And when I talk to kids and, and it's easy for me to say, you need to have IQ, like, what does that mean? You can't open a textbook and study lacrosse. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean film either. I mean, I used to sit and watch men's lacrosse all the time, YouTube clips, stick tricks. I used to Google like Casey Powell stick tricks and like try them in my backyard over and over. Same. Um, but, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had the Gary. Right? Yeah. Not just to chime in real quick and then continue yeah. on. I used no, to have, I used to, and no one, no one knows this. Everyone's going to make fun of me that listens. But I used to have, uh, especially you might chirp me just because he was your coach, but I used to have the Gary Gate videos that were like all the different tricks, the shots. Like he used <laughs> to make like how-to videos. And Oh, yeah. Like a excuse game and I got fucked and I was just like, that's what I want for Christmas. Like I need to learn how to play like that, but – Absolutely. And that's, that's you. That's you. Like, that's him not growing the game, but growing the passion, because that made you passionate about it, because it was entertaining. It was exciting. It was creative. Right. So that's awesome. But I did the same. I did the same shit. Um, but so like doing that and film and everything like that can, you know, that can make you have more IQ. But honestly, just getting out there and playing like my biggest concept to these kids is like they're grinding all year round with all the trainers and the speed and the strength and the conditioning, like all of that work like whatever happened to just going in your backyard with a mini stick and a mini net and your friends and cousins and just playing like 3v3 throwing somebody in goal you know playing 3v2 continuous like what happened to that just playing for fun because that's what's working on your stick that's what's working on your confidence that's when you get to do all these little stupid like moves in your backyard that you actually can apply in games you know and, it, and it's making you have fun it's growing that passion to the point where you're not burned out because all you do is you have your parents drive you from, you know, your high school practice to your club practice, to your strength coach, to your nutritionist. Like pe people are crazy nowadays. I don't care. I don't want a lacrosse player. I want an athlete. So go out and play other sports. Don't focus on lacrosse 24 seven, put your stick down once in a while, throw, throw the basketball around. Like, you, you know, like just shoot some shots, play, play basketball, but kids don't do that nowadays. So I think like, that's, that's a big piece to, you know, a lot of these kids burning out too. And, and again, it, it's that confidence and it's that passion. Yeah, no, I completely agree. One thing you mentioned that I think is huge for a lot of kids is um, I had a coach told me, because I used to play back and because I didn't want to run. <laughs> I oh, was same. lazy. I was, I was like, yeah, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to run. Like, fuck this. <laughs> and I had a coach tell me, he was just like, look, like, you said you want to play division one lacrosse. He goes, I'm going to be blunt with you. He goes, you're not like, you're not there. You're like, maybe, maybe if that a D three player right now, he goes, but, and he goes, and it's tough because you're about to be a freshman next year. Most kids are, are committing to those big time schools or just a division one schools as a whole within the next two years. So for you to make that jump, 
it's going to be massive. He goes, it's most likely not going to happen. But he goes, you're a big kid. You're tall. He goes, for your size, you can move. You, you, I mean, I'm, I was I was never the fastest. I was never like the most agile. But I would say I was middle of the pack. At, I would say at best middle of the terms of like speed quickness agility like all the things you see at like the next level uh, right. I had a coach that was like look if you can develop a left hand and you can hammer and i don't country can recruit you because everything else while you're there you will learn and you'll learn how to play up to that level so um and then i remember going to like a rochester rattlers game and i asked one of the players i want, honestly want to say it was joe walters i could be but and I asked them I said what like I had a coach tell me this like if you're a coach what would you do um what would make you take a chance on a kid that you see a lot of potential and they're like if they can play with both hands golden and I said okay say less so I didn't (laughs) work on like when I was in high school I didn't work on a a single thing besides like getting my cardio and conditioning up because like I switched to midfield and I figured okay if I that is standing right next to the goalie the goalie dumps the ball off and books it up the field like Matt Abbott used to do for Sarah I'm like I'll get recruited and then if I could shoot on the run both hands I'll get recruited and that's all I did which eventually did and like how you were saying like I was never like the best player on the field by far but I did enough to like get me there do you think that like more coaches need to be like at the youth levels like putting those like having those one-on-one conversations or do you think that like I just got lucky with that coach no I definitely think I definitely think coaches should be a little bit more involved in, in that and that's you know, like he, it's, it depends on the kid, right? So like, that's awesome that you were able to turn around and be like, you know what? Like, yeah, I'm going to work hard and I'm going to prove all these people wrong. And I, I am so that type of person too. Like that's, I have my career, like I have continued every single year, just prove people wrong, prove people wrong. And like, I think that's like, that's what you did there. Um, And then there's some other kids that might hear that and be like, oh, my, my career is over and I'm done. But those kids are never going to get better anyway, because they're just going to think that they can just, you know, walk through life. So I think that's awesome that you had that coach kind of be real with you, you know, and, and, and I think it's not just, you know, and, and it sounds like you kind of did a good job of like expressing, like, it's not that it's impossible, right? It's not that it's impossible. It's that you're just going to have to work a little bit harder and, and do this and that, which, so I think that there's definitely a lot of positives, you know, with, with that, um, because it is, it's important. And, and I, I think being the underdog is a good thing. I love proving people wrong. I mean, I came into this league last year. I had, I was never an all American. I had never, played professional a lot of I was two years out of college a lot of these girls either just came out of college or already had played in the WPLL which used to exist but folded after this was created so I kind of got lucky that some people dropped I got my name in the you know in the hat and they called me up and I I came and I showed up and I ended up you know leading the league in in two-point goals and I think that like I'm you know that first week I, I didn't play that first week and then all of a sudden people played zones and I was like all right here we go IQ shooter this is my time <laughs> So I'm like proving people wrong. And I hope to do that again this year. Yeah. Pulling up from Curry range. <laughs> Sleeping yeah, on yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. No. Um, uh, while we're on the topic of that, um, we cannot forget to gas you for uh, that saucy goal you had last season. Oh yeah. What See, was that? That's a backyard goal. That's a backyard goal. Um, that's what I, that's what I figured that, that's a backyard goal. Now, um, when you you said that you wanted to play at Duke, going back, a little, rewinding a little bit to the, the college days, um, you said that you originally wanted to play at Duke, and then you were saying that you love Syracuse's style. Were you the second Syracuse 
started recruiting you, were you like, I'm in? Or did you, were you a little bit more open-minded to other schools that were recruiting you? Or like what ultimately led you going to Syracuse? So I'm going to sound a little bit hypocritical here because I've been talking about confidence um, and I actually had none of it going through the recruiting process. Um, So I was, you know, I was looking at a couple schools and I was like, all right, all right, here we go. Like Penn State, uh, Loyola, Ohio State, like all great schools. But I was like, my dad, you know, I, I went and I saw Ohio State and I was like, dad, I'm committing. Like, I love this. I love big football. And he's like, we're going to go to Syracuse camp, like, see how you do, see if you like it. And I, I was livid. I was like, absolutely not. Like, it's too cold up there. It's too gray. And then I went to a camp and the first thing we started doing was partner passing sidearm. And that's all I knew how to play. And I loved it. And I've actually gotten yelled at for doing it on my club team um and I was told that it would never work at the next level so when I went to Syracuse and I saw that you know I could hang with them and that that's something that they were doing and really inspiring is something Gary Gate always did for us um that I learned and I hope that I can always uh do for my players is allowing us to kind of be creative in who we are um and kind of like you know, expressing that on the field and within our player identity. So I thought that that was really cool. And that stuck out to me at that camp. And then I was like, all right, dad, you you know what? You're right. I'm definitely committing here tomorrow. So uh, that was kind of like my thing. At first, I definitely wasn't really on my radar. Didn't think I was good enough. And then I got there and I was like, the dome is sick and Gary Gates a legend. So why not? (laughs) You know? Yeah. One thing you said that I want to talk about briefly, because it actually is something that gets me so fired up in like a pissed off way, is that you had a coach who said that it was like, cut the sidearm shit. It's not going to work at the next level. You get to the next level. That's all they're doing. So why, why, why do you think some coaches, why do you think some coaches do that? Because I used to, I used to throw no look passes all the time. Uh, obviously not all of them would work, but it would be more so of like, I'm dodging from the top. I'm going down the alley and the far pipe attackman um, creeps. And then the, um, who is it? The crease guy slides or comes up. And I would try to throw it because be, to beat the slide because it's supposed to be, that's uh, easy. It's an easy goal every time. And I used to have my, uh, you know, high school coaches and travel coaches scream at me like no other and would basically make me feel bad for being creative and doing those things. And they're like, it's not going to work at the next level. Obviously, when I got to Hobart and then when ultimately when I got to I transferred to Mercyhurst, I would do the same thing. And it was the same thing. Like coaches would freak out on me when it worked, but then they didn't say anything when it did. So do you think like one thing, one thing, like it never bothered thing I see now is like you were saying like a lot of kids like are not purely confident in their skills and stuff and when they go to translate those backyard um you know bs like just having fun games with their friends brothers sisters whatever and they try it in like a practice setting or something like that the coach like immediately is like you're you're going to the bench or they scream at them in almost like a belittling way and then that even tears down the confidence of that kid more so, what are your thoughts on that? And like, how can, how do you think like as a coach, you can like, you know, kind of tell the, like, yo, if you're going to do it, make sure it's happening and you're actually practicing that. Don't just do that to do that. Like, what do you think about that? Yeah. So that's the biggest piece right there is I would say like a lot of coaches that, you know, think a lot of coaches that think like you can't play a certain way or, or like, you know, the, when it comes to, especially like you're saying like a little bit more advanced where you're deceptive and you're throwing those no look passes or you're throwing it behind the back. It's the lack of teaching when and where, 
right? Everyone, like you go to camps and everyone's teaching you, all right, here's how you do it behind the back. Like try a no look pass, but they're not explaining to you when and why you should be doing these things. So I think it's a lack of the coach's understanding. And I also think that it's, it's the game evolving and some of these older style coaches refusing to, you know, being stubborn and refusing to evolve with the game and grow with the game. Um, so I think it's a combo of those two things. Uh, you know, like I, I it, it really crushed me when I heard that and like that I couldn't play like that and everything. But you know what? It goes back to that proving people wrong. I was just kind of yeah. like, all right, well, I'm not going to change who I am. And somebody's going to appreciate that. And that somebody happened to be Gary Gate. Yeah, a, a legend, too. So right. um, and what were some of the things now like you get to campus, right? You're you get to campus, you're a freshman probably scared as shit because you're like oh <laughs> I don't like I don't know if I'm gonna mesh with the team like it's college like so many other things going on right um what were some th- some things like you were expecting going into college and then like what are some things that caught you by surprise um not just like with the school but more so like the lacrosse aspect like um like when I played at Hobart like the workload on top of going to school and doing all the things you have to do with school and then obviously maining a, a certain GPA like that was something that caught me by surprise, not because I didn't know it was going to be a grind, but it was just more so of like, I didn't realize depth things were going to be like the 5am fall practices. And then, you know, if you didn't have an 8am class, you were going to do lift or conditioning or your one-on-ones. And then after having all day, you have team film, you have team dinner. Um, then you have freshman study hall. And then like, just all the, like, it's like playing a division one sports, a full-time job. And then obviously going to school and being a student, is another thing on top of that so like what are some things that like really caught you by surprise that going into college you wish you knew and were prepped ahead of time yeah I mean I definitely knew the time management thing was gonna be huge um I do think I did a decent job at like preparing myself through that by always like keeping busy and kind of staying organized um but when it came to lacrosse like just like understanding you know that you're in high school and you're in club and you might be the best player on your team but when you get to that next level you're playing with a bunch of people that were the best player on their teams and from their areas so you know that it's it's tough to adjust that to that a little bit but it's it's like you know it 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 depends on how you interpret it so it's all about your perspective like you can say oh you know what here's my perspective like I'm a freshman everyone's good here, you know, I'll, I'll have my time. I'm just going to, you know, learn as much as I can and then I'll, I'll get in later on. Or you can come in and be like, you know what, everyone's good here. I need to work even harder and kind of elevate my game and I'm going to adapt and, and see where coach needs me and, you know, and, and do whatever I can to get on that field. Um, and I think that, that that was the biggest thing for me was kind of just being like, I was used to being the best player, you know, the, one of the best players on my teams all throughout, you know, elementary school all the way up until high school and club and travel and everything but then when you get to college you're playing with some incredible incredible talent and they're they're right there with you so it's kind of hard to adjust to the mentality of not being the number one and and kind of accepting your role whether it it might be you know cheering your teammates on or whether it might be you know feeding a little bit more than facilitating an offense or like how mine was which was just to catch and shoot every time Kayla Trainer drew a double because every single team was sliding and sending two to her I was wide open on the backside so I think you know like it's 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 kind of just adapting to that and understanding like your new role and I, mm-hmm. I the, the, you know the, the teams change every year so it's not even just coming into college it's kind of like an every year thing like I came out of high school as as a crease dodger my freshman year of college I was an elbow 
outside sh- shooter. So it was like completely flipped. Um, but it's that adapting to that and understanding and being okay with it. And it's not a bad thing. You know, it's not a bad thing to have to change your role. It's what you're doing for your team. And I think that's definitely the hardest adjustment some of these in, like freshmen have coming into college. Did you play right away as a freshman or when did you um, actually start getting legitimate field time? I did play. I played my entire fresh. Actually, I think my freshman year was one of my best years, to be honest. Oh, okay. So say, say if you didn't play as a freshman, like, what are your thoughts? Like, because you just mentioned it, like, what are your thoughts on waiting your turn and bracing the process of the grind becoming better so that like in the years to come, you will be the, be on the field. Cause I know like for a lot of people, like it's very, like you said, it's mentally draining for a lot of them who were the best player on their team or one of the best players they get to school they feel throughout the entire recruiting process, like coaches are in love with them. Like yep. they're, they promise them the world, like, cause that's how, obviously how recruiting works. Um, and then you get to campus day one, you're just another number. And then on top of it, you have to do all of that same work and grind and bust your ass and try to be a leader on and off the field just to be standing there in the freezing. I mean, you got the dome, but like for other schools, like the freezing cold and you're not playing, and for a lot of kids, it could be mentally defeating. So, like, what, what, like, what are your thoughts on that? Obviously, from a coach's perspective, and how do you think that um, it translates to the real world and life? Because I feel like a lot of people they don't find the value in that. Yeah, totally. And I, the real life thing is huge. I mean, it's easy for me to say just like work harder, work harder. But it's the truth. I mean, if you don't get the promotion you wanted, are you going to quit your job or are you going to keep working harder and, and wait? You know, wait your turn and. and take the opportunity when it comes so I think for me like I can relate in, in a little sense so last year you know last year playing in this in this pro league drafted last didn't play much my first weekend and then as things kind of heated up a little bit and switched around come that second weekend I had I got I got some time right and it, it's it's what you do with that opportunity you you know like kids Kids come up into our office all the time. They're like, you know, what can I do to be on the field? What can I do to be on the field? And it's like, obviously, work harder, and and I'll I'll help them and tell them what they need to do. But when we give you these opportunities, and it might not always be in games, and this is what kids don't really understand nowadays. And when I say kids, I mean our college athletes, right? When I say you need to take advantage of these opportunities, it means every second that you get on the field in front of your coaches, you need to be trying your hardest. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect by all means. I don't, I don't want you to be perfect. Cause if you're, if you're, if you play perfect, you're not taking any risks. If you're not making mm-hmm. any mistakes, you're not taking any risks. So it's not about, it's not about making mistakes. It's about 100% of the time going full speed, going full speed and trying your hardest and giving it everything you have. Um, so a lot of times, you know, you get, we get these athletes come up to our office and they're like I said, they're like, Oh, what can I do to be on the field? And it's take advantage of these opportunities in practice against scout. You know, I think it hurts kids a lot. And I think kids get stuck on scout most times because they start at a young age and they don't buy in. They don't buy into that scout team. They're like, Oh, this is like, why am I sitting here? Like this is boring. Like they're not paying attention to me that I'm just supposed to be the other team, but understanding like, I'm not just watching, you know, if you're if you're on my scout offense, I'm not just watching our defense and correcting our defense. I'm watching you. I'm evalu- evaluating you too. You know? So I think it's it's a little bit of like it's it's that piece of just waiting. It's not waiting for your opportunity, but it's when you are given an opportunity, you need to take advantage of it. You can't just, you know, let it go. And, you know, 
I'll have another shot. There's going to be another ball, like whatever. You need to take advantage of every opportunity that is given to you, especially when you might not be one of the starters. Mm-hmm. And what are your thoughts on commitment um, as a whole? Because nowadays you see a lot of kids going in the transfer portal, they're bouncing um, and stuff like that. I don't know him personally, but who's the who's the kid that's like a big stud on Syracuse's team? Uh, uh, Tucker Dorkovic. He's going yes. to he's now going to Georgetown. Yeah. Oh, is that like a is that is? Or do you just, yes. you just dropping bombs here? <laughs> no, 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 that's official. It was released. It was definitely. Oh, released. okay, okay. So, um, <laughs> a little inside lacrosse inside here. It's <laughs> like a <Clint> Kessnick. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but uh, no. So the one thing I'm just curious because I heard I know you'll probably appreciate this because you said you're a big time uh, college football girl. Um, after Alabama won their last national championship. Um, there was, who was that? I saw, like, I saw a little snippet of, um, they had this little thing called like the, it was like a, the LeBron's shop, but version of it, uh, at Alabama. And it was on YouTube and Alabama. And it was like Nick Saban. It was like Nick Saban in like the barbershop. And he was sitting down with like Julio Jones, Derrick Henry, like all the studs that they had. And, um, they had Najee, they had Najee Harris either on an episode or something similar to it. And um, in that like shop episode, Julio Jones and Derrick Henry were talking about how the biggest thing that they took away from one of the biggest things they took away from their time at Alabama was uh, like just the process of the grind and all the things that are going to make you better and how it, you know, committing when you commit to a school, staying at that school and even if you're not playing, like playing all the way through hell or high water, even if you had a bad season or not. And one of the things that Najee Harris mentioned was how, like, when he got to Alabama, he was number one recruit in the country that year overall, number one running back, number one overall recruit. He was pretty much, I think, sitting behind, like, Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, like, who are all studs in the NFL now. And then I know, like, Alvin Kamara transferred to Tennessee and then was, like, a first-team All-American at Tennessee or – well, maybe not a first team. I don't want to be put that as official, but he was an All-American is what I'm basically saying. And right. then you see how like every single year, Bama is always up there and they are getting players drafted left and right. But then like when you really think about like, holy shit, like Najee Harris had to sit behind Josh Jacobs, Derek Henry, Alvin Kamara, like all those right. dudes. Well, y- like, yeah. How I mean- do you... Like, what do you, like, what do you, I mean, you're a coach, like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, cause it's hard. I think it's hard for a lot of people like Najee Harris, obviously he said, he was like, yo, I had to wait my turn. And when my time comes, I'm making sure I stay on the field. But it seems like every year Bama has the number one, this, the number one, that. And it's like, as a kid, do you think that's more so like Saban as a whole and the coach? Cause obviously we don't know him. So we're asking this from afar, or do you think it's like the culture of Bama? Or do you think that it's just like, those are the type of players he recruits? Cause like I said, I don't know uh, Tucker at all, and I'm not casting any aspersions, but I could definitely, like, how I thought about it was I'm like, yo, Cuse was cheeks this year, no offense. So I could see him right. being like, yo, I got a year or two left. I, like, I, I want to win. Like, I'm going to Georgetown. Yeah, so, I mean, I think it's 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 hard to just kind of, like, have one answer. I think it's different for every kid. You know, like, I think – and especially, like, when you talk college football, it's way different because there is that future in playing – you know, playing in the NFL and mm-hmm. having that be your career when it comes to lacrosse, even men's lacrosse, like, yeah, you can go play in the PLL, but 
you're not going to make a living off just doing that. You're going to have another career. So I think more for lacrosse, it's not just about like winning and, and that stuff. I mean, sometimes maybe you have a bad experience at a school and, and you want to change it up a little bit or you're not happy with some things. Right. But I think what it comes down to a lot for the transfer portal now, especially with these kids, like Tucker is like that kind of, he's, you know, he's going to be a fifth year. So when it comes to being a fifth year or sixth year, like graduating from undergrad and then having to go to, or wanting to go to grad school and pursue something else, not all schools offer the same programs, right? So you Mm -hmm. have to kind of, you kind of have to look at different programs and stuff. So maybe, you know, maybe you get a kid who wants to, you know, study something else as their grad school program and, and CUS might not offer it. So maybe they have to go into the transfer portal and, and kind of, you know, figure things out from there, whether they want to leave or not. It's because it's what is best for them in their future. Because again, they, they might not be playing lacrosse the best, the rest of their life. No, that's true. I mean, that I, I'm always curious about it. Cause that's like, all like that. I, I had something similar. Like I bounced from Hobart, um, but it had nothing to do with lacrosse. I just didn't enjoy myself at the school. I'm like, look, I'm, because uh, I my junior year um, mm-hmm. and because I got a red shirt year for my sophomore year um, I was like okay I know I'm gonna get an extra year but I'm like the first two years of college were brutal for me like I, it just like I did not enjoy myself being there aside from lacrosse so I'm like I need to leave but the um, uh, like going mid-year D1 to D1 I'd have to sit out a full year so I'm just like okay this is like I don't want to do that like I want to play right away so I went to I transferred to Mercyhurst um and I'm just curious though because like a couple of my friends like not not all of them were at Hobart some of them were somewhere at other D1 schools but they say all the time they're like damn I should too but I'm always curious like are you leaving because like you you're not like you said you're in a different role like you're not playing as much as you want like what is it and I'm just like curious because like nowadays I feel like now that the transfer portal is getting bigger like kids don't have to commit to things anymore and you see it more like even with like the NBA too where like if someone's like 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 he just requested a trade but it's like you signed a four-year contract like and so I'm, I'm always curious if like that sets a bad precedent for like younger generations and like younger kids as a whole. And like, I know you're a coach. That's why I just wanted to ask that. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it, it depends on the kids. So I feel like everyone's different. So it's definitely like a hard, you know, kind of topic to dive into. I've also never um, experienced a transfer. Like I never transferred myself. Um, so I, it's hard mm-hmm. for me to attest to it, but I do strongly believe like everyone's got their reasoning and you know, it, it you want to be happy no matter where you end up. So it kind of just comes down to, the individual, the happiness of the individual. No, hundred um, percent. And after, so you graduated Syracuse, you're done playing lacrosse. Did you start coaching at Boulder, Colorado Boulder right away? Or did you have other coaching jobs or like how did you end up coaching being, becoming a coach at Boulder? Yeah. So that's actually like a, a pretty fun story is, you know, I, I've always known I wanted to dive into coaching. So it's, it's definitely something I do. I, I knew I wanted to do, and I knew that, you know, a lot of, you know, I'm, I, I told my boss when I was interviewing for the job, I said to her, I'm not, you know, I'm not some kid that just graduated college, doesn't know what they want to do with their life. So they're just going to dive into coaching for a couple of years till they figure it out. Like, this is my passion. This is my career. I want to eventually become a head coach. I love not just coaching the game, but teaching the game and, you know, breaking things down. So I think um, for me, it was easy, no brainer um, that I was getting into coaching. And, I, and you know, I, I interviewed a couple places and, Colorado stuck out the most to me because I had 
grown up my entire life, Long Island, New York. I went to school Syracuse, New York, and I felt like, you know, I haven't really explored life outside of New York. So when it came down to my decision, location was a huge piece, uh, obviously with my boss. Also, I, I loved my boss and I have nothing but great things to say about her. I mean, she was phenomenal and taught me so much. So she was a huge pull for me to go to Colorado as well. But ultimately, you know, it was just kind of moving, moving out West and experience something new. So I, I t- accepted the job. I shipped my car. I packed it up. I shipped it out. Didn't even have a bed, shipped it out to Colorado. Didn't know where I was going to live, flew in, met it, um, met my car, grabbed my car, went to go stay in a hotel for a week and just, apartment shopped and found a place signed a lease and slept on an air mattress until my amazon bed came in and that was that i didn't know a single person out there i just kind of figured it out and just started a whole new life what is your i said this to uh i don't know if you met her but esther grace's sister was just out there for a week yeah so i actually haven't been home all or i haven't been in denver all summer so i still haven't yet to meet any of her family members ah damn you if I mean she doesn't live in Buffalo anymore, but if you ever get the chance to come to Buffalo and experience uh, a weekend at the Gabriels, <laughs> um, it'll, <laughs> it'll be life changing for you. It's a good time. Um, no, I so I asked this just because I said to Esther, like, because we were talking and I was asking her, I was like, you know, what? Because she was sending me pictures and stuff like that, and uh, um, she was asking me like when I because I used to live out there as well. Like I lived out there um, January twenty until the end of March when COVID happened. Um, and then I said to her, I was like, if you spend enough time in Denver, I'm like, you need a week max and you need to just go explore and just like, not necessarily go get fucked up at the bars and stuff like that, but just go explore, go on different hikes. Like it Absolutely. really, really, in my opinion, I think it really makes you reevaluate and rethink because it's more so from the aspect of like, even when you're driving on the highway and you're just surrounded by mountains or when you go on hikes and like, I remember the first thing I did. So when I got to Denver, it was the, I got there at like 2 AM cause I drove from Buffalo to Denver and I made stops like all along the way. Um, I got to Boulder at my buddy's place um, and probably around like 2 AM. And then the next day was when Conor McGregor was fighting cowboy and it was Conor McGregor's first fight back. So it was like right around that time in January. Right. And the first place that uh, my buddy Jordan took me to was Flagstaff, like right next to campus. I and love that. Yeah. Yes. And so we're driving up, we're driving up like the windy, like hill, like the windy, like mountaintop, whatever. And you can see all like Boulder's campus. You can see into the football stadium. You can see all that. And we're in Flagstaff and oh, yeah. we go to the, like the top of the, like the lookout. And I was like, it was almost like an outer body experience for me. I was just like, Whoa, I was like, like, I didn't even know, I didn't even know how to like put it into words and I didn't even want to take a picture and send it to people. Cause I'm like, the picture won't even do justice. It does not at all. No. And then like, obviously we did a lot of hikes. We went to Red Rocks. We, we pretty much did everything that's like been within three hours of Denver. And I just was like, okay, I have never been in a place like this and everything I thought I knew I wanted to do in life. Like, and this sounds really corny to say, like everything I knew I wanted to do in life, I completely rethought just from like the whole like idea of like, wow, like people live in a place like this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's incredible. I mean, it, I, I definitely am gonna miss, you know, miss Denver a lot. I think I, I'm so glad that I got three years to spend out there. And I will definitely be going back and visiting as much as I can. But I mean, like, what other city can you just like, and this I'm, I'm talking like pre COVID. 
you know, just like some people decide that they want to work from home and they don't do it from a Starbucks. They're doing it from a brewery. Like the culture out there is just way different. It, yeah, that's like and that's like the other thing, too. Like, I thought, like the first um, the first party I got invited to and it wasn't really a party. It was more like just like a hangout because um, uh, I went out there with uh, one of my friends because I told him I was moving to Denver because two of my buddies were out there and they're like, yo, just come out here. And I'm like, all right, fuck it. Like, whatever. I'll, I'll find a job. Like, that's what I'll do. And I told him I was doing it. And he's always, he was like, oh, Denver, it's always been on my bucket list. I wanted to live there or go there for a couple months. Like, can I come with you? And I'm like, yeah, sure. So we got an Airbnb. We were actually right in the city. We were uh, about like 10 minutes from where the Nuggets play. Um, where the where were we? Uh, Rhino, like the art district. Oh, yes. Yeah, I love Rhino. Yeah, so we were right there. Um, we were probably like, I don't know, like a five-minute drive to like, where is it? Like the ten, like the Denver market, like the where you milk, can go in. Milk bar or whatever. Yeah, we were like 10 minutes from like, not even like five minutes from like right there. Um, right, right, right. Um, and then like the, I don't know the street in rhino where they have like where like federals is now and then they have all the different like breweries and stuff yep yep um, uh lammer street maybe was it i i think and then yeah and then we're probably like another five minutes from where uh what's the street with uh like all the flags like near blake street like near where the um the rockies play like right around that general area is like oh uh, i know i don't know the street name but i know i just i know exactly what you're talking about we just say like yeah Denver, but yeah Oh, yeah, that's, like, where you got View House, you got Blake Street Tavern, all yes, those bars. Yes, yes, We were, like, r- almost, like, right around the corner th- totally. from that, but in in Rhino. And um, I was just, like, who like who would not want to live out here? Like, right? it's it's just completely different. So, like, when um you when you were out there, was that something that, like, you guys used as, like, a recruiting tool? Or, like, because, oh, like, the out west is so different. It's so different. And that's definitely something, you know, recruiting for Colorado was, was pretty difficult just because it's, you know, like, like we talked about before, hotbeds, you know, hotbeds of the best lacrosse usually don't come from out West. You know, they come from kind of the East coast. So East coast kids are hard to pull um, out West. So a big part of our tactic was getting them on campus and and letting them explore and really see what Colorado has to offer. Um, also explaining to people that Colorado is not as cold as everyone thinks it is because for some reason everyone thinks it's covered in snow 24-7, um, which is actually the complete opposite. It's beautiful. It might snow one day and the next day it's 65 and sunny. The snow stays in the mountains, not in Boulder, not in Denver. Um, so just clarifying that. But uh, um, but yeah, I think like for, for us it was easy you know, for us to sell and to want to sell because we loved it so much. We wanted to sell it to, to everyone and to you know, get all these recruits. But not only do you have like this, you have, you know, if you go to school in Boulder, you have the college lifestyle, the college campus, you know, that, that city, that smaller city, like college feel. You can go into the mountains, you can go camping and, and explore that and, and kind of have the mountain life. And then you also, 35 minutes down the road, you have actual city life, which would be like Denver. Um, so you could kind of get the best of all three of those worlds, um, you know, just by going to school in Boulder. And I, I lived in Denver, actually. So I would commute every day, lived in Denver, went to Boulder because it was such a college town. And, you know, everywhere you go, there's college kids and it wouldn't be ideal for me to walk into a bar and have like. 10 of my players, you know, sitting there like waving at me. So I, I decided, you know what, let's go live in Denver. I can go out, do what I want and not have to worry about that, um, which was definitely a smart idea. But so I know, I know for a fact, just from my experience that the commute is not far, like Denver and Boulder are only about 35 minutes apart. So, you know, you get all of that when you go to school in, in Boulder. 
Yeah, and that drive too, the drive from Denver to Boulder on that like freeway where you know what I'm talking about, where you're literally driving towards the base of the mountain is oh, yeah. I, I don't I can't even describe it. All I gotta say is if anyone's listening, just go to Denver just to take that drive. I mean there's oh, it's, obviously it's better views. Yeah, but that was like my buddy was like, Yo, I gotta show you something. He's like, drive out the boulder and like take this freeway and oh I don't even remember. I think it was like what is it, eighty six? Yes. Or, yes. Yeah. So he was just like, just drive down 86. And I was like, my jaw was on the floor. I was just like, yeah, I felt like I was in Jurassic Park, probably. I was like, (laughs) where the fuck am I? Like, this is insane. I love Um, that. Now, when you, I know, um, I have a couple friends that have coached D1, they've coached D2, D3, they've coached at different schools. And one thing that they say is that it's very, some for some of them, not all, it's very tough because there's a system in place for when you're coaching and certain head coaches don't allow you to coach and allow your philosophies to be like to come through is that something that like you experienced when you were at boulder or just coaching in general or like what was like for maybe someone listening um that is on the fence about getting a real i don't want to say a real job because i don't think a real job is a thing as long as you're making money doing (laughs) your thing um but if someone's on the fence about getting say like a corporate career versus i want to go into coaching what are some like behind the scenes things that you can talk about that only had you coached you would know versus things that you see from a third party point of view yeah well i think um the biggest thing about coaching is it's a lot more than field work you know there's so much behind the scenes when it comes to scheduling you know compliance and hours we're allowed to practice and you know training and stuff like that and recruiting and and like scheduling and um you know itineraries for away trips and planning meals and and everything like there is so much that goes into coaching that people don't understand you know it's not just okay walk out to the field with you know a stick and a whistle and a practice plan of what we're going to do that day you know there's scouting reports film to break down so it's it's a lot more than people expect um but you know we do it because we love it and and that's just a part of the job um so that I just think under going into a, a position and understanding that it's not just heading out to the field and doing what you want. You know, it's, there's a lot of office work that you need to learn and, and kind of sit down and do and, and grind through in order to, you know, in order to not only in order to just be able to coach, but also to be a successful coach, you know? Um, so I think that's one of the main things. And then to touch a little bit of what you said, I definitely did not experience any of that um, at Colorado. I absolutely love my boss. She was super open. We were very collaborative about, you know, what we were going to do. I was the offensive coordinator and, she kind of, you know, was like, all right, balls in your court. Let's see what you got. So if I had questions, I, you know, obviously we, we would go through that and collaborate, but she definitely put a lot of trust in me and, and allowed me to run that offense. And now maybe that's because uh, that's, you know, it's, it's kind of a 50, 50, right. It's 50% her trusting me. And it's also 50% of me being prepared and, and being, you know, like ready to do that. If I wasn't ready, you know, I don't think she would have just been like, all right, you run the offense and me just be like, all right, just pass the ball in a circle and then you dodge and then you dodge and then you dodge. No, like we're going to break things down and we're going to play offense and kind of read somebody else's defense and adjust what we're doing. So I think, you know, it was like that 50, 50 of her having the trust and me being ready. Um, but I do think that a lot of coaches, you know, especially young coaches that get into it and then get right out of it. It's because unfortunately they don't have the same experience that I did. Um, where their boss may not be as, you know, as laid back and as, um, you know, like as kind of, 
I don't know how to say it, but I don't want to say easygoing because it's not this like she was easygoing, but it was also like we're gonna work hard, but we're gonna have fun and, and you're gonna learn and you're gonna get to do you know what you want. So it was like it was a really good experience for me and and it's she's the reason I I'm at where I'm at. You know, she's the reason I was th- I'm three years out of college now getting to coach at a top 10 school um, down in Florida. And I've, you know, for the last two weeks, I've been learning a lot from Mandy O'Leary as well. And, and she's been great in teaching me even more um, because I feel like as a coach, you know, you're, you're always a learn, you're always learning the game. You can always get better. You can always learn something new. So, you know, and I'm already doing that uh, within just like two or three weeks of having this, this job. Did you have, um, when she gave you the keys to run the offense, um, did you have, of like like doubting yourself or second guessing yourself um or knowing that you're making the right decision with how you are going to you know draft the offense the type of play that you wanted to run or were you confident like hey this is what i know this is what i know is going to work and based on the personnel that we have during the offense to have um and the only reason i ask that is because i've said this to my like buddies before i um I've said that I think that the best coaches, this is just my opinion. And this is just saying it from like, uh, like without actually having any coaching experience, it's just more so of an observation. I've always thought that like the best type of coaches, cause I've had coaches that have done this have been like, okay, look, we don't have sharpshooters. We don't have people that are going to, you know, pick corners from 15. They gotta, they gotta set picks for each other. We have, we have to have multiple players create tailored, tailored around, around the personnel, but they absolutely. Your offense, or do you go? Hey, look, we're running, we're running motion one, motion two, motion three, run it. Your style. So my style is like I like to be a combo of both those because I want to tailor an offense based off of you know the personnel I have, but I also think that if we're running the same style of offense, we're gonna get real scoutable real quick, right? So I like to have a little bit of both, but it's not just a like. All right, let's say I have you know, let's say I have kids that are used to just like head down, go to goal, head down, go to goal. All right, we're going to be a dodging team. That's scoutable, right? Just send a quick slide, be ready on the backside. Like, just got to work on our shifting. Um, mm-hmm. So I also want to be able to run a little bit more of like a IQ game where it's more like a two-man, you know, and kind of tricking defenses in different ways like that, two-man, three-man. Um, but it's I came in as a young coach, and I didn't just, you know, I wasn't just like, all right, we're just going to run this offense, and we're going to use at the pick here. It was – and you start in the fall and it's like, all right, we're going to do a shooting drill. No defense on you. We're going to learn the pick and roll and it's going to be a shooting drill. All right. Now maybe we can build into one defender. Now make the right decision. We're going to run that pick and roll, either turn the corner and take the shot or maybe hit the pass, depending on what the defender does. And then the next step would be going two V twos. All right. Now let's add a third person, you know? So it's, we, we worked and I, and I helped, you know, and, and it, both, um, both coaches at Colorado helped me too with, building up to that it wasn't just one day all right this is our offense here's x's and o's run it it was breaking it down little by little over time in practice and i think you know we got really good at that and and that's when we became a little bit more dynamic and i think that that the teams you know the teams that have the most success with the teams that are first of all everyone's a threat and second of all are dynamic because they're super versatile and and not just doing the same thing over and over where they're going to be easily scouted for a defense you know to be able to shut them down real quick Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely agree. Are things that, um, let me think, that you in the moment were doing that you thought were right, but then you look back and you're like, wow, that was a teaching moment for me. I, I, that was wrong. 
of me to do. Oh, absolutely. I have those moments all the time. And it's, it's, it's actually, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's a cool, you know, making mistakes. It's not great. Not everyone loves to make mistakes, but I, I don't mind it once in a while because it is really cool how you're like, oh, and you learn it. And guess what? I'm never going to make those mistakes again. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, so like a couple of those things is just like, first of all, the biggest thing that I've learned um, with working under Anne is like game flow, right? Game flow is important. It's a game of momentum. We're up and down. So, you know, maybe if we have a long possession and we're trouble, we're having trouble in scoring, um, and we need to slow things down, maybe not pushing transition once in a while, even if, you know, even if we have like the man up look, but maybe just settling it and kind of playing at our own speed and slowing the game down. Um, so like game flow situations like that have definitely been something that I've like, I've messed out up in the past and I'm working on to get better at. Um, and then the other thing is more of just like also changing the offense a little bit and, and personnel, right? So like running separate different offenses, depending on which MIDI lines in, you know, if we're running an A mid or D mid, maybe focusing on something like a little bit more that's tailored towards the attack. Um, but like little things like that, I would say game flow is definitely the biggest one. Um, and then the other one that that's pretty big, that was cool is like, we have a, we had a shooter, um, and this can, this can go for goalies too. Cause I feel like the goalie, you know, when you're a goalie, that's, that's a head game, you know, like these goalies can get stuck in their head super easy. So, um, couple of things is like if if you have a shooter I learned this this year if you have a shooter that's shooting really well or you have a goalie that's playing really well just wait to after the game to tell them do not tell them in between quarters do not tell them at halftime because you know you never know what's going to happen right so like if a shooter's like shooting four for four and, and you go up and sometimes you might be like hey you're shooting great like just keep doing what you're doing and then the next thing you know they're oh and you know they're or they're like four and eleven um so that's like that's the hard part right there, you know, is, is kind of like understanding like, oh, my God, they're playing so good. But let, let's let them continue and let's not get in their head right now and, and tell them things that they don't need to hear right now. Um, you know, just keep coaching them, keep correcting them. But you don't have to touch up on that. That is so interesting. I've never heard that before because usually it's the opposite. If a guy if a like guy or girl going four four like and shooting, you usually say keep shooting. You're great. And something like that. And then now that you say that, I have realized I have like thinking it back as you were about it, as you're saying it. And I, now that you say it, I've never realized people they're playing their ass off. The second they get a compliment, they slow it down. Yeah. Well, also like, especially with shooting, like you're you're like, oh, I'm four for four. Like, oh, wow. Like I am shooting well. So then now they're just going to take any opportunity that they can. And now it's a bad opportunity. And now they're not scoring these goals. They're not having that high percentage, you know. So it's it's definitely a factor. And and like I um, I didn't know that until this year. You played lacrosse at elite level. You played um, and you are playing in the pro league. On the flip side of it, that weren't great players that are great coaches. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think. So I think that also goes back to like my style of play. I think there are great players out there that solely relied on their athleticism. Naturally, those people might not make the best coaches, but when it comes to the kids that like really played with their IQ and survived and and dominated fields because they were the smartest ones out there, those typically could be, you know, the better coaches. But then there's also the factor, well, like, yeah, I might understand playing the game, but do I understand teaching the game? And that's why I used the word teach before and, and not, you know, not, co- not just coach lacrosse. I like to teach lacrosse. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's, it kind of comes down to your ability to really like break things down and, and understand that not everyone, you know, just like a classroom, not everyone has the same style of learning. You know, some people can, 
watch it on film. Some people need to walk through it on a field. Some people can just understand it by drawing it on a board, on a whiteboard. So I think, you know, like having that understanding of that, you know, like who, who you are coaching, like your athletes specifically and kind of understanding and getting to know them and, and knowing what, what way they can learn the best. Um, I think that's what makes people good coaches. And then also there's the whole culture piece is like, you can coach your ass off and you can sit there and you can watch film after film after film and try to come up with new plays and coach these kids and have them practice three hours a day. But if you're not, you know, if you're, if you don't really care about each individual, like as a person first and, and not, and just a player, you're probably not going to be that su- successful because then you're not going to have kids that want to play for you. If, and mm-hmm. if they're not having fun, they're definitely not going to want to play for you, you know, especially in the girls game, like a quote that my dad used to say to me that I, that I stand by today is, um, is that guys, you know, guys need to compete in order to have fun where girls or women need to have fun in order to compete, if that makes sense. And if you no, think about it, makes it, complete it sense. right. Yeah. So, so I think like, you know, it's, it's that balance of not just grinding every day, but also like having lightening it up a little bit and having some fun and remembering your why and not you're playing college lacrosse because you want to, you're not there because you have to. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that kind of that's my coaching style, at least is like, yeah, we're going to work hard, but we're also going to have fun. Yeah, no, that's that's true, because like we were talking about earlier with like the gaming and and like stuff like that, like uh, at least like how I am with like all my best guy friends is like we are constantly, constantly talking shit to each other about anything and everything under the sun. Like um, two of my best friends are diehard Patriots fans and they always joke about the bills and I'm immediately like, okay, fine, (laughs) then like let's bet on it. Let's bet on it right now. Uh, Like. Um, like I'm going to be moving down to Tampa in the fall and at my buddy that's down there now, he was joking about the bills. And I said, all right, I said, put, put, put some money on it then. He's like, nah, man. He's like, cause he's having a, he's having a daughter in the fall as well. He's like, I got to save that money for diapers. I said, all right, fine. <laughs> I said, if the Patriots, I said, if the Patriots don't beat the bills once, once this year, I said, we're going to go out one night. You have to dress in a dress. You have to put a wig on. You have to put, you have to have your girlfriend put makeup on you and you have to wear heels. And he's like, say less deal. But like, like you were saying, like, that's us. Like, obviously we're not physically competing, but like there is a competition in some way, but I think that like guys are just wired like that. So right. that's actually, I love that quote your dad said, cause I've never heard that before, but like, and I have some buddies that are like, yo, why are you guys like this? Like, why are you guys such assholes to each other? And it's just <laughs> like, but that's just how, I think that's just how guys are. It's just like, I think guys are just naturally wired like that where even if we're playing like Madden, it gets heated, it gets heated, but it's yeah. like that. It's the spirit of competition. Totally. I, yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense and it, it's so funny, but it's, it's so true. And then like from a girl's perspective, you know, for like, for a lot of us, it's like, we don't want to just go out there and, you know, like start, I mean, we're, at, I'm at a very high level. Like I am very competitive. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I definitely, you know, want to compete and need to compete, but also like having fun with it. Sometimes I, I play way better when I'm having fun. So absolutely. Yeah. So it's like that aspect. So it's, it's pretty funny though. Yeah. And then before we transition to the uh, newest gig you got of being Florida's coach, what are, um, if there's anything, what has Denver um, in your experience in Denver? Um, when I say Denver, I'm including Boulder and all of your time spent in Colorado in that I'm just saying Denver. Right, right. Here. Um, what has your time in Denver, one, taught you about yourself? And then two, like, has it changed your perspective on life at all? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, so 
I would say like perspective on life has definitely changed. I mean, just from, you know, a, more of a laid back perspective and understanding, like understanding that lacrosse isn't life and, you know, there's so much more out there and so much more to do outside of it that like experiencing, like a, there's nothing like experiencing a night and I'll never forget this night. And a bunch of my friends and I were, we were all camping in the sand dunes um, out in Colorado and we we're just like, you know, it's probably like 10 PM and pitch black, but, not really because the skylight is just it's insane like the stars are just lit up and nature and just like you know like appreciating nature in that aspect I think like that was a really cool experience for me when it came to um, moving out to Colorado and then also just like different people and different styles of living and different different perspectives like everyone has a different perspective on life Um, so just hearing from other people has been like really really cool and and it's been awesome to uh, you know to kind of see myself change Um, in a lot of ways and, and almost like I've always been accepting. So I don't want to say that I've become, you know, like I, I, I have become, what I'm trying to say is I've become more accepting to other things, um, and people and, and things like that, but not that I ever was not, um, but I guess just more familiar. Mm -hmm. It's hard to kind of explain. I know that doesn't sound great, but. No, I think that's, uh, I I completely. I'm the same way because um, after I came back from Colorado, I said to my mom, I was like, I don't know shit. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I just don't like and it's going to it's going gonna, it's gonna to sound like I'm going the political route, which I'm really not. But it's just like people like how I said, like you spend enough time in Colorado as a whole, like you really rethink your like life like of just like I think that when you live in the Northeast and I'm saying this because maybe you thought the same thing I think that like when you live in the Northeast like everything is like go 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 grind 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 be the best like be very competitive like outdo everyone like you want to get to the top but then like when I was in Colorado everyone was like 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 it's whatever like I was doing real estate out there and a lady that I was working with lost a, a big deal like a really big deal and I was like, how do you feel about that? Like, and she was like, eh, it's whatever. I'm going to go home, have a glass of wine with my husband, hang out with my dog and my kids. And like, life's good. I'll get another one. And I was right. thinking to myself, I'm like, yo, you're crazy. I would have been it, like what it taught me, like my experience in Denver is just like you were saying, like there is an appreciation of nature and there's so many more things out there. And then just on top of it, it's like, like getting almost out of your own way like I'm not like I'm a very open person and I'm very open-minded but it made me even more open-minded to be like wow like like Denver to me is like a melting pot of like people from all walks of life like I know they call it like and I they and I know they and they call it a transplant state and like it taught me that like at the end of the day like none of us make it out of this thing we call life like like none of us make it out like eventually we all have an expiration date and it's just like yo like we don't we don't need to be so like hostile and like edgy all the time towards one another or it's more so of just like, yo, like if, if you think, if you think that person's weird or person's a little quirky or like a little out there, like, yo, try to learn something from them. Cause like, ultimately like, that's how, that's how I am towards people. But it's just like, wow. Like, yo, just like what it taught me is just like, yo, just chill the fuck out. Like, it's not that serious. Like relax. Right. Definitely. And like, just everyone's like so inclusive and, and totally. And yeah, exactly. What, what go to, back to your point, you know, like people are weird. Like look at Grace. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, no. I, I told it, you know what I told Grace was like, I'll do the podcast. You got to listen to it and plan on me shitting on you. So I had to throw at least that in there. No, I know. I actually just texted her. Hang on. I'll, I'll literally tell you what I said to her. 
Uh, here, let me pull up my text. Um, I said, I said, we're only five. This is like when we first started. I said, we're because most people that I do this with are very reserved. Um, because a lot of people I know tell me no, but then people I don't know nor have never met, like you, they are like, yeah, let's do it. So I texted her. I said, we're only five minutes in. I said, Nicole's hilarious. She's, she's like, I love her. I said, we just talked about you. She's like, about what? And I said, how bad your morning breath is. And she's like, wow. <laughs> she's like, wow, so funny. <laughs> oh, me and, me and Grace sit on our couch for hours and just chirp each other. Like, me and Grace's relationship is like, don't say a word, but walk by her door. She's laying on her bed and her door's open. I just walk by and flip her off for no reason. That's that's how that's how we are. And like, that's how um, that's how like our like all my friends, all my friends that I grew up with, and just like all of my like best best friends. We are downright cruel to each other, but it's out of love. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You have to be. I'm not I'm not bullying you unless you're my friend exactly and i the way i it's funny you say that because like that's how that's how like my family is too and like the way i look at it is like yo if if you're gonna get shit on or like bullied in some way shape or form by someone it better be from people that like would take a bullet for you oh absolutely absolutely Uh, me and my family are the same way so i totally get that yeah and which is like i think is good because nowadays people don't have thick skin everyone's like easily like offended or upset and it's just like yo like again relax it ain't that serious Oh yeah. yeah. Um, now you are coaching at Florida. Before I hopped on the pod with you, I was texting another friend and I was telling them that um, I was just like, yeah, I'm like, I didn't realize like my buddy and my buddy that's in Tampa, I was telling him I was doing this with you. And he's like, that's huge. He's like, Florida's legit as fuck. And I was like, I didn't know. I didn't know that Florida for like women's lacrosse, no disrespect. I didn't nasty like that. Like I was looking no. through the Instagram. I was looking up like the previous final four like it's it's like a powerhouse I didn't know that so like for you that's got to be very exciting so like what was that process like of like transit from coaching at Boulder to Florida was it something that you were actively trying to get or did the opportunity just come across to you and you were like I, I gotta take this yeah so it's um you know it's it's kind of funny so the um the girl who was the coach before me is actually one of my friends I also met her uh last year got got close to her last year at Athletes Unlimited um, but the way it kind of worked is, you know, so Florida, Florida has definitely always been like a destination of mine just because, you know, being a Long Islander and this is so cliche, but my parents plan on retiring and moving to Florida. So they'll be down there eventually. I have friends that live in Tampa. It's only an hour and 50 from Gainesville. Um, so I've definitely like been wanting to get there. And then it was just kind of a matter of time of having that right opportunity. And when I was talking to my friend who used to coach in Florida and she, had mentioned that she was going for head jobs, it kind of clicked. And I was like, wait, if she leaves, that spot's open. And I knew she ran the offense, and that's what I do. And um, luckily for me, too, is my assistant coach in in, – my assistant coach from Syracuse, uh, Reggie Thorpe, who was one of my biggest, biggest mentors. I mean, he was the second father to me when I was was at at Cuse. And I give him all credit for not only the player but the person I am today. You know, I I really – I truly, truly enjoyed all of our time together. He's actually one of the. Uh, he's the. Um, uh, he's like one of the um, assistant coaches there too. So, for me to be able to coach with him, you know, and, and and be back in an office and you know have him mentor me not as a player now but as a coach is an incredible experience. So I think going through the process and finding out when she got the job, um, you know, the head coach at Florida kind of called me up and was like, "Hey, you know, you're our number one. What do you think?" And I was like, "I think that sounds absolutely amazing." 
And she was like, all right, well, do you want me to fly you down? And I was like, nope, that's all right. I'll sign the paper right now. And that's kind of how it, how it went down. Um, so I still haven't actually been there. Um, I have, I've played there multiple times when I was at Syracuse. So I, I know what the field looks like. I've seen, seen like the weight room or the coaches offices or any or anything like that I've never been in the football stadium um so I'm looking forward to doing that as soon as you know this season ends here at Athletes Unlimited like I mentioned quickly in the beginning we are here for four weeks so I have to kind of wait till mid-August to be able to go down to Gainesville but um but I'm really excited about this and I think it kind of you know it was just timing the timing was perfect yeah, no, that's awesome. Well, I was in Denver, actually, did it. when was I in Denver last? I was there in March. Was I there in March? Yeah, I was in Denver in March. Um, and uh, it was actually, I think you had a game. You guys were actually coaching, and we were going to go to, Grace and I were going to come to your game, but we never ended up doing it, forget why. And I could have swore Grace said that you were you were thinking about Tampa because I, I was telling her then that, like, um, Cause I just got to finish up some business here and then I have some. Yeah. Yeah. So Tampa um, was definitely appealing to me. So university of Southern Florida is right outside of Tampa and they just announced that they were going to open a women's lacrosse program. So I thought that that was going to be a great opportunity, you know, and I, and I was looking forward to that and applying for that. Um, but it didn't really work out for me, which was unfortunate at the time, but now looking back pretty fortunate considering this is a way better career move for me. Um, when it comes down to resume building and everything, because like I said, I want to be a head coach and, you know, I think this is going to be a really, really good opportunity to learn and grow and, and be a part of a program, you know, a, a really good program and hopefully get them over that like kind of hump of, you know, they've, they've gone to the elite eight for a bunch of years in a row and, you know, hopefully we can push them to the final four and get their first national championship. Oh, so you might even be the, be a part of the, the, the coaching staff that wins the first natty. Oh, absolutely. That's my plan. That's, that's, that's huge. That's huge. Let's go. All right. We're speaking that into existence. So I don't know exactly what year, but you heard it here first. It's going to happen. Um, you're running the show on the offense end, correct? Correct. Hey, listen, you got to score goals to win. So that's huge. Um, what, uh, so kind of wrapping up here, um, cause I know we definitely would love to talk more about Florida, but you know, you're not there yet. You haven't had that experience. That's we'll, we'll definitely have to run it back. Uh, maybe even do a joint episode with, uh, with, uh, possibly grace next time. Um, definitely. But, uh, what, um, you know, wrapping up here to ask people a couple questions to finish it off. Um, first one, um, there's only two, but if I think of three, I'll throw that in there. But the first one is what are some things you wish you would have learned in school that since graduating college, you've had to educate yourself on and you think that school should be teaching it's in the high school level, the collegiate level, like what are some of those things to better prepare kids for the real world? Um. So again, kind of a tough question, just because I think the way I studied, like I didn't like my um, just my major and stuff didn't really do any of this for us. I'm sure there's like if you're going to be an accountant, they obviously talk about it. But I think just like taxes in general, you get a paycheck and, you know, you're signing that if you don't have like a, you know, you get a check and you don't, you're not signing like a W-2 or any of that stuff. Make sure you're saving half of your paycheck because taxes will get you. Um, but again, like I'm sure people learn that in college. Maybe just I didn't because of my class load. <laughs> mm hmm. 
And then actually I thought of this too, as I was asking that, what are some things, if any, that you were, you thought you were a hundred percent right about, but then once you got into the real world, you were like, holy shit, I'm actually wrong about that. Hmm. That's actually a pretty tough one. Um, maybe government, honestly, because I feel like you grow up, you know, just like, and I know that's a broad statement, but you grow up in a household and you're kind of like not brainwashed, but you know, you're, you're getting all the opinions of your family members. You're not really getting another opinion. So you're kind of like, oh, this is right. This is right. And then you hear other people's opinions and you're like, oh, well, maybe it can kind of go both ways. And then you kind of have to develop your own opinion. So I, I would say it's probably politics. Yeah, that's something that I get a lot, too. I used to there was a girl that because uh, I, I did poli sci as a major. Um, I had a girl that, and I never was comfortable saying my opinion in class, just not, not because I thought I was right, but it was just more so of, I'm like, yo, there's going to be at least one person that doesn't agree with me, which I don't think you should agree with everyone on everything. That's how you learn. But, um, she told, I had her on the podcast before, like one of the very first episodes I did. And she told me, she's like, yo, I used to think you were the craziest like not to swear or I mean we've been swearing but whatever she's like I used to think you were the craziest motherfucker I've ever met like I used to think you were out of your mind for the shit that you thought and said she's like but then I got into the real world and then I st- I went into business for myself and <laughs> I look back and I'm like wow you actually had a point I just didn't see it because I was living in an, the same echo chamber of thought right right that's so and funny. I was like I was like, hey, I appreciate that because not a lot of people would, would say that. And again, I'm, I, don't, I don't think I'm right. It's just the perspective I have on things. Right. And so it's like the politics are so tough because you get people that are so stubborn one way or the other. And it's like, dude, relax. Like, it's just an opinion. It's OK. You know? Yeah. Um, like, I don't, I don't like you because of your politics. I like you because of who you are. Yeah, exactly. We don't need to argue over stupid shit. Well, like not stupid shit, but, you know, like kind of stupid shit. But Grace. Exactly. Um, me, me and Grace are actually, we, we have a lot of the same beliefs. And if you hear us get like when we're just talking and we're, we don't like get into it, get into it. But we're just we just like joke about everything that's going on in the world. And it's actually hilarious. So, oh, yeah. Like, and I mean, maybe <laughs> this is a little too heavy. I could, I, I could always cut it out if you want me to. But like I, I say to my mom sometimes, I'm like, yo, I'd love to I would love to um, be a dad and have kids. But like sometimes I'm like, do I want to bring <laughs> do I want to? Oh, 100%. With, like, with how fucking 100%. No. And crazy it is. Like, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want to see it. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I know. No, um, I totally get it. I totally get it. Yeah. And that's just not, that's not just on one thing. That's like a whole like laundry list of things. And, and that could be a whole nother podcast for another day, but we're not going to go there. So, right. Right. Um, the <laughs> last question, the last question I have. Um, and it could be it could be anything it doesn't have to apply to anything specific it could just be general be specific whatever you want it to be if you could meet 18 year old nicole what things would you tell her and why uh hmm that's pretty hard i would probably tell her to just be confident in who she is on the field off the field doesn't matter just be confident and be happy with who you are and you know some people are going to accept you one way or the other. And if they don't, then fuck them. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I say all the time. But, um, and then last, that was supposed to be the last question, but um, since we brought it up a couple times, this is the final and last question. What is confidence to you? And how do you think that develop your own confidence? Confidence to me is not really caring what other people think. And confidence is just like, 
you know, believing in yourself, believing in yourself and yeah, and not caring what other people think. I think that's that's what confidence is to me. And, you know, it's it's hard. It's a lot easier said than done. So I think, you know, when it comes to doing it for yourself, it's like, uh, you know, I mean, I can go drastic and I could say therapy or <laughs> I can go with something a little bit lighter here and just be like, you know, small little affirmations every day and just surrounding yourself with good people that make you happy and make you confident. Mm. No, I love it. Well, yeah, that's uh, that wraps it up. That's pretty much it. That's all I got for you there. We've been talking for, geez, a hot minute here um, <laughs> and we've yet to formally meet. So I, I thank you for the easy flowing going conversation. Thank you for everything. And uh, thank you for taking the time to do this. Definitely. When we meet up, I definitely beers on me for sure. No doubt about it. And I'm not you pay. And, if you, and if you try to pay um Aaron Rodgers Hail Mary your credit card (laughs) (laughs) all right sounds like a plan and uh maybe it'll be in Tampa if I'm in Gainesville and you're down there yeah sure I'll definitely um this spring I'll come out and check out a game for sure because I've never been I've never been to Florida's campus hell yeah I can get you some football tickets yeah yo could I get actually could I get uh more so than football tickets would be dope um but more so than could I get like a uh, facility tour from you i believe or... i can make that happen as soon as i get my faci- facility tour <laughs> yeah i just think it would be sweet <laughs> no I, behind, I... The, behind the scenes shit so yeah no Definitely. that'd be awesome but I'll, uh, I'll try to make it happen yeah and uh yeah and you heard it here we don't know what year yet but we are, i just talked to a national championship d1 women's lacrosse coach hell yeah hell yeah all right i appreciate it thank you you're welcome bye